Hebrews 11, and we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to start a new series today called I Can Change. I Can Change. So we're going to start in Hebrews 11, and uh, we're going to start in verse 1. New Living Translation. Yes, my voice did crack. Uh, there might be a lot of that today. Hebrews 11, verse 1, and uh, we'll start there. Hebrews 11, verse 1 in New Living, it says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And it gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. So uh, today, like I said, we're going to start a new series today called I Can Change. Everybody say, I Can Change. You can, right? I can't change. Now, it's going to be different by the, by the end of this service. You're going to say it boldly and confidently that I can change. Everybody, let's say, I can change. I can change. I can change. And so we're going to talk about I can change today. And this is the first uh, Sunday of the new year. And uh, we're going to talk about I can change today, but for the next four weeks. So I encourage you guys to be here to invite people. Uh, don't miss one because we're going to build each week on the, the things we talked about the week before. And it's all going to build together to the foundation of what we're talking about, about I can change. So you don't want to miss a week because we're going to build on each other every week uh, on what we're going to talk about. So I can change. That's what we're going to talk about this morning and uh, the next uh, several weeks, the month of January, about I can change. And this is going to be a time for our church uh, relating to personal growth. Personal growth. This is Personal Growth Month in Church on the Rock in the month of January. Personal growth. And uh, it's a new year. Happy New Year. Uh, 2018. And uh, there's a lot of uh, excitement, hope, enthusiasm that comes with a new year. Uh, there's, there's excitement that comes with a new week. Uh, when you start a new week, you have a new enthusiasm for the week. When you start a new day, you have new enthusiasm and hope for the day. And uh, a new month, but especially a new year. It, it just feels like there's a lot of hope and momentum that comes with a new year. And it's true, and God, God made us that way. Uh, there, there's something about a new day, a new week, a new month, a new year that brings possibilities, that brings momentum to our life, and uh, it brings hope. So a lot of people, as you know, uh, start out the new year, and uh, there, there's a lot of resolutions that are made. There's a lot of goals that are made. There's a lot of th talk about that this is going to be my year. 2018 is going to be my year. You said the same thing 2017, and it wasn't your year. Uh, and 2016, and it wasn't your year. And, uh, uh, but 2018 is going to be my year. And so uh, we're going to talk about that today because uh, there's a new year, which is new hope and new momentum and new opportunity, and everybody's excited and resolutions and goals, and then... The year is the same as it was the last year. Um, and, and we even have sayings, new year, new you. The only thing wrong with that statement is this. If you're the same person you were last year, you're going to have the same year you had last year. Because a wise preacher once said, change is not changed until it's changed. And so if you don't change, your year won't change. 
If you don't change, your life won't change. If you don't change, your career won't change, your marriage won't change, your health won't change, your finances won't change. And just for the fact that you're going to a new year means nothing. Unless you do something different than you did the year before. So, new year, new you, maybe not. Maybe same year, same you. Because it won't be a new year unless we change. And so just for the fact that uh, it's a new year doesn't mean it's automatically going to be better. But we need to take advantage. That's why we're talking about it the first week of 2018. We need to take advantage of this hope and momentum and opportunity we have at the beginning of the year and use that to propel us forward into 2018. Because there is something real about the, the new year bringing new opportunities that we have some motivation to change. So let's take advantage of it, but take advantage of it in the right way that we can have a new year and a new us. So we see that people uh, do resolutions, do goals at the beginning of the year, and those are good. And we're going to talk about goals and vision a little bit in this series, but 8% of people, now here's the bad news first, 8% of people who have a New Year's resolution or goal actually does it. 8%. So there's 92% of the population who sets goals at the beginning of the year and does nothing with it. And they fail. I mean, how many know, because I, I go to the gym every once in a while, anytime fitness, uh, in, in the month of January, the gym is going to be packed out. <laughs> it's going to be packed out. Everybody's going to be acting like it's a new me. <laughs> and in February, you're going to be having all the equipment to yourself. 8% of people who make New Year's resolutions and goals and say, it's going to be my year, new year, new me. I'm going to change. It's going to be better. 8% of those people actually follow through with their goals and the resolutions. So 92% of people fail. Now you came to hear good news today, didn't you? But there's a reason for that because a lot of times people go about change the wrong way. A lot of people don't change because they don't understand change. They don't understand how to change and why to change and they actually allow God to help them change. And so that's what we want to talk about because we don't want to be a part of the 92% of people who have big goals, big visions, big plans, big dreams, and live their life and die and never accomplish any of those. Because the vast majority of people fall in that category. And so we, we are believing through this series that you can change. Everybody say, I can change. And uh, we're going to get into more details about that, but that can mean any area of your life today. We're talking about I can change. So we love the idea of new. We love the idea of change. Then why do we fail? Because a lot of us have failed. Now, let's just be honest. No condemnation. How many of you have set some goals for yourself and you failed so far? How many set some goals last January and they're not any different this January. Don't lie in the house of God. So we're all in the same boat. We, we all have set goals, set vision, wanted to change, and we didn't. We failed. 
we failed. Now, I'm going to share some things today in the next several weeks that I feel like is going to build on each other to help us change. Are you with me? You're excited about this, right? Because we all need to change. Uh, so how do we change? We need to get not just spiritual, but we need to get practical about how we can change. Because we can, if we want to, and with the ability that God gives us to change. I'm going to say this before we go any further, that we need to think about this. Anytime I talk about change from here uh, to the end of this series, you need to think about this. When I'm talking about change, I'm not talking about you changing in your own strength and your own willpower. It's not what I'm talking about. So anytime I say it, I don't need to repeat myself when I say it. When I'm talking about change in this series, I'm talking about a change that God helps you change. That God empowers you, that God gives you the desire and the power to do his will. That God helps you change from the inside out. That's the kind of change that I'm talking about. Did I just rap there? I think I did. So for true and lasting change, now you need to listen to this before we go any further. For true and lasting change to happen in your life, God has to be in the middle of it. For true and lasting change to happen in your life, hear me this morning, God has to be in the middle of it, or it will not be true and lasting. A lot of people who change their diet and then they get fat again. A lot of people change their attitude, then their attitude gets stinky again. A lot of people change all sorts of stuff in their life, and then a couple years later it goes back to the same. Why? Because they're doing it in their own strength, in their own willpower, and it doesn't last. It's a superficial change. Why do drug addicts go into rehab? Alcoholics go into rehab, and they're free, right? They're not drinking. They're not doing drugs. And then they get out, and they go right back to it. Now, what's the problem there? Because they don't have God in the middle of their change, so it's just a superficial change. I'm stopping for six months so I don't get in trouble. I'm stopping for a year so I don't die. But I'm going back to the same stuff because God is not in the middle of it. And it will happen every time when we try to change. If it's going to be real and lasting change, God has to be in the middle of it because the change that God brings is from the inside out, not the outside in. See, man tries to change us from the outside in, and that's why it's only temporary. It's only superficial, but God changes us from the inside out, which is lasting and real. Are you getting anything this morning so far? So for true and lasting change to happen in our life in any area, God must be in the middle of it. And if he's not, it won't really last. You know, we talked about uh, uh, some of this before, and, and Dad, um, as you know, he, he was a drug addict before he got saved, and he talked about when... When he went to rehab, he came out worse than he was before. Why? Because he's trying to change without God's help. And then later on, he got saved, he got delivered, and God delivered him, not just of that addiction, but the desire to do those things. Now, that's real change. Not us living a frustrated life the rest of our life, staying away from stuff we, don't, we, we shouldn't do. That's not real change. Real change is not only just changing in our actions, but changing in our heart. Well, we don't even want to do those things anymore. Why? Because God has changed us from the inside out. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding today. And so if it's going to be real, lasting change, God has to be in the middle of it. And he changes us from the inside out. 
that we can get to a place that not only do we stop doing things we shouldn't and start doing the right things, but he changes our heart that we don't even desire the person that we used to be, the things that we used to do, the people we used to be around. We don't even desire it anymore because God just changed our heart. And he changes from the inside out. So for true and lasting change to happen, God has to be in the middle of it. So uh, we're going to cover different things, different weeks. But I, I got three things I want to share today. And they're three principles uh, of change. So this is the first one. You ready for the first one? It's going to be an exciting day today. The first one and the first step to change is called the power of I can. The power of I can. The power of I can. Now this is the first step because the first step towards change is to believe you can. The first step towards change in any area of your life is to actually believe you can change. Everybody say, I can change. I can change. Now some of you don't fully believe that yet, but I'm, I'm believing that it's going to work on you, and you're going to think about it, and you're going to start believing it. Just, start, just keep saying it, I can change. I can change. So the first step in change in our life is believing we can actually change. That's the first step in any area of change in our life, to believe we can actually change the power of I can. Henry Ford, who drives a Ford around here? That's right, because we're Americans. Americans. And we love our country. And we love this nation. And we're real Americans. Okay, Ford. Henry Ford, I drive a Ford truck, and I'm very proud of it. Um, Henry Ford said this, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you are right. I don't think you caught that. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. With anything in our lives, you have to truly believe you can change. So if you think you can change, you can if today you're listening to my message and you're already tuning me out saying, I can't do that, you can't because it's up to you. The power of I can. So let's read a verse, Philippians 4 and verse 13 in the New Living Translation. Let's read it up here. It says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now what does that say? For I, I need you to be a little bit louder. For I. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. The power of I can. So the first step in change in our life in any area is to believe we can do it. To believe that we can do it. And notice Philippians 4.13. Let's read that one more time. What does it say? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So the power of I can. Now the reality is in your strength, you can't. But you're not in your own strength, you're in his strength. And it says, through him, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So you might feel like you can't. And it might seem like you can't, but the Bible is true. Come on, it says, the word of God says, let God be true and every man a liar. God's word is true over your feelings, over your thoughts, over your past, over your excuses. And if the Bible says you can, guess what? You can. 
But you have to believe that. It's not good enough that God believes that. You have to actually believe that for you to change. Come on, are you here this morning? It says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So the Bible says that because we have Jesus living on the inside of us, we can do all things and we can change. Notice, not in ourselves through him who gives us the strength to do it. Who gives us the power to do it. So the power of I can. Everybody say, I can change. So all of us in here have to make that decision and to believe that, that God says that we can change. And we can do all things through him who gives us strength. Not in our own strength, but in his strength. And in his strength, you can change anything in your life. You can overcome any addiction. You can overcome any, anything that has held you down your whole life, anything in your past. Because in him, you can you getting something today? The power of I can. Because Jesus is in us, we can do all things through him who gives us strength. But notice, it's not good enough for others to believe that or God to believe that. We must believe that if we're going to change. Everybody say, I can change. So something happens when we talk about change is excuses start going off in all of our minds right now. And... You hear excuses, you know, I've tried too many times and I've failed. I come from the wrong background. I come from the wrong family. I'm the wrong color of skin. I'm too old. I'm too young. I've tried too many times. I can't change this area of my life. Those are excuses that the enemy brings to all of us to keep us bound. Because, once again, whether you think you can... Or you think you can't. You're right. So he brings these excuses to our mind. But the truth is of God's word that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. It's funny. I was listening to Pastor Keith Moore, uh, who's a great man of God. Pastor Keith Moore. And he was talking to his congregation. He has a lot of elderly people in his congregation. Um, and uh, he was talking about how people saying they can't change. And he said, well, you know, people say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And he said, well, good for you that you're not an old dog, you're a child of God. Why demean yourself and put yourself down to say that you're an old dog? That's not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of the world talking to us. Well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That is worldly. That's worldly thinking. That's not godly thinking. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's not the spirit of God. But notice excuses come like that to all of us. We can't change. I've been this way too long. I've thought this way too long. I've come from the wrong background. I've tried. I've failed. He said, good thing you're not an old dog. You're a child of God. And you can do all things through him who gives you strength. So we can change even if you've been that way a long, long time. What's the answer? One more time. What'd you say? I could change. Now from the oldest to the youngest in here, what'd you say? I could change. Now whether you've been that way for a long time or not, you can change. The truth of God's word is true. We can change. And you're not an old dog. And you can learn new tricks. You're a child of God 
and you can change. Now, I think this is interesting because even the secular world agrees with what I'm saying today. Not just the spiritual world, not just the Bible. Of course, God knew this way before a scientist figured this stuff out. But it's been proven that your body and your brain can change no matter how old you get. You can learn something new. You can do something new. You can change your patterns. You can change your habits. You can change your future based off of the choice of the individual. And it's been proven by science. Some of you know who Dr. Uh, Carolyn Leaf is, who is a neuroscientist. She's a believer. In the past, really, 20 to 30 years, they have figured this out. Up to the past 20 or 30 years, they thought that when uh, a child was born, that when they were younger, at a certain time when they were, they were in their youth, that their brain was just kind of stuck that way the rest of their life. They were just held to whatever they were thinking, the way they were raised when they were younger, and the brain had to stay that way the rest of their life, and they couldn't change. Now, we see that God's word is true, and God said this way before a scientist ever figured this out. Now, God said a long time ago, before Dr. Lee or any other neuroscientist figured this out, that your brain can change. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Meaning that you can change the way you think, you can change the way you live, but it's your choice. But they have figured this out in the past 20 to 30 years that your brain is something that is known as, you ready for this? It, it is neuroplasty. That means that your brain can change and it can be molded no matter how old you get. And they realized that your brain, up to this point they didn't know this, no matter what age you are, your brain can change. Your habits can change. Your thinking can change. You can learn new things. No matter how old you get, your brain and body has the ability to change whether you're a child or whether you're an elderly person based on your choice. So this idea that I'm stuck is completely not true. This idea that I have to stay the same and I can't change because I'm older now and I've been doing this a long time is not true. And not only does the secular world agree with this, of course, God said this thousands of years before anybody figured it out. And so we realize the brain and body can actually change no matter how old we get based on our choice. And even the physical structure of the brain can change. Uh, they've shown people that were depressed and uh, a scan of their brain, and they showed people later on, that same person who had uh, changed their thinking, changed their life, and they were a person of joy and happiness and peace. And on the scans, the brain physically looked different because you can change. And this wasn't a young person, this was an older person. And physically, the brain looked different because we can rewire our own brain by our choice. Do you guys know that? God said it. Scientists are just now figuring it out. So the secular world even agrees with this, that the brain and body can change if we choose to change. God made us in that way, in his likeness and image, and we can change. So the power 
of I can. The power of I can. Everybody say, I can change. I can change. And notice, when we choose to change, what happens? Our body and our brain both start cooperating with that because he made us in that way. And they start physically changing based on the choice of the individual. And we can rewire our brain. We can teach an old dog new tricks. We can do something new. We can learn something new. We can make a new habit, a new pattern, a new life based off our choices. So we can change. Everybody say, I can change. All right, so the power of I can. So the first step towards change is to believe you can. And you can. God says you can. The secular world and scientists say you can. You can change. The second one is the power of humility. The power of humility. Now let's look at James 4 in verse 6. James 4 in verse 6. I'm going to read from the New Living. James 4 and 6. It says, He gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. But notice that it says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The power of humility. Now, we're talking about change and getting God involved in our change. Well, the first first step is to believe you can. The next step is to admit you need his help. And what does that take? Humility. God says he resists the proud or he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if we want to change and have God help us, we need to humble ourselves to admit we need help. You know, if you went to a a rehab center or an addiction center, the first things they're going to say is you have to admit you can't help yourself. And they're also going to say you have to admit you have a problem. And until you admit you have a problem, your problem can't be fixed because you don't think there's a problem. And it's the same thing with our lives. Until we humble ourselves before God and admit we can't do it, admit we can't change, admit we can't do this thing without him and that we need his help, he can't help us and he won't help us because we have a free will. Now let's look at this verse one more time, James 4 and 6. Notice what it says. God opposes the proud. So when you say, I can do it by myself, what does God do? He can't help you. But what does it say? But he gives grace to the humble. The person who's humble enough to admit, I need help. I need help, God, and I can't change by myself. I need help. I need your grace to help me change. That's when God will rush in and help you. But if you say, I got it together, he'll say, okay, do it yourself. He wants to help you, but notice, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, we're going somewhere. Now, stay with me. Now, this word grace, a lot of times we see grace in the Bible as forgiveness, which it is. Or we see grace in the Bible as God's favor, which it is. But another way to say God's grace, and all throughout the New Testament bears this out, is grace is God's ability. Come on now, somebody. So he opposes the proud, but what does he do? He gives his ability 
to the humble. Come on now, somebody. He gives his ability. When you can't do it, God gives you his ability to change. When you can't change your thinking, God gives you his ability to change. When you can't change your, your way of doing things and you can't get over that addiction and you can't get over that person and you can't stop doing those things, God gives grace to the humble. And grace is not just favor and forgiveness, it's his ability. And how many know if you got God's ability, you can do it? Isn't that true? Not just your ability, God's ability. And if you have his ability, you can change. But once again, let's think about this. How do you receive God's ability? Not by pride. Not by saying, I can do it, God. I got this. You know, a lot of believers don't say that to God, but they live that way by never acknowledging they need help from God. That's pride. By you walking through your day acting like, oh, God, I don't need your help. God, I don't need this. I don't need that. That's not you being an awesome person. That's you being prideful. God says he opposes or resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And until we humble ourselves to God, he can't give us his ability to change. The reason, if we're honest here, the reason most of us struggle to change is because we do it in our own ability. And it doesn't work. So that's why we need God's ability. So how do we get God's ability? Humble ourselves, and then God's grace or his ability will come to help us. You have to admit to God you need help. Talk to him about the areas in your life you need help in. God, let's just say this. God, I really want to get a college education. You know, I'm struggling with this. I'm going to humble myself before you. God, I need your help. And I believe that you'll give me your ability to be able to accomplish this. God, I feel overwhelmed in this situation with my children. I need your ability to come help me do it. But until we humble ourselves and admit we have a need, God cannot help us. So that's why we need the power of humility. The power of humility is we humble ourselves and admit that we need God's help. And when we do, God's grace or ability comes to help us do what we can't do. God's ability. So the power of humility. The power of I can. The power of humility. And lastly, we want to talk about the power of vision. The power of vision. So we're talking about I can change today. You feeling a little bit inspired already? You feeling change stirring in you already? You feel God's ability is starting to already help you right now. You're thinking about it. I can change. I can change. So the power of vision. The power of vision. Once again, we said all these things build upon each other. Every week we're going to build on the next one. So we're talking about three today. We'll probably talk about a couple more next week. So the power of vision. So what's the first step? The first step is to say, I can do it. And, and why can I do it? Because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Number two is to say the power of humility. Is to say, God, I know I can do this through you, but I need your help. I need your grace. And tell him where you need his grace, where you need his ability. I need help in this area because I'm struggling. And when you humble yourself, God's grace and ability comes to help you do what you can't do. So number three, this is the next step we're going to take with the I can change. The power of vision. 
power of vision. So let's read Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. And notice, it is the evidence of things we cannot see. The power of vision. So, why are we reading this verse? Well, we want to have God involved in our change, right? We want God to help us change. Well, we know, how do we get a hold of God? Faith. How does God help us? How do we receive from him? Faith. And it says, quick, you got it. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, and it is the evidence of things we cannot see. Uh, And I wrote this down. I put, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Now, what is what we hope for? What does that mean? Faith shows the reality of your vision, your goals, your desires, the changes you want to see. And it is the evidence of things we cannot see. So your faith in God brings into reality your vision, your goals, your desires, or the changes you want to see. Your faith does that. So your faith is the thing that God uses to bring into reality your vision. You still with me? And there's power in vision. We see that Uh, They say when people write down their goals, people that write down their goals are 80% more likely to achieve them than people that don't. 80%. Just by merely writing them down. How many know God had this figured out too? Way before somebody in a business suit and a business degree wrote down. In Habakkuk 2.2, let's read this. Habakkuk 2.2 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. That, they, that he may run who reads it. So we realize there's power in vision. There's power in writing down vision. And we see that the business world has figured this out. You know, any great company, organization, church, individual, they all somewhere have a, ri- a written down vision somewhere. They all have somewhere, whether that's at their headquarters or in their house or in a journal, a vision written down. Why? Because there's power in vision. There's power in writing down the vision. And we see that the the business world has found out we're 80% more likely to achieve it just by writing it down. And so we're talking about the power of vision, the power of vision. So Habakkuk 2.2, let's read this again. It says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that they that he may run who reads it. So uh, let me translate this to you real quick. Write the vision, or we could say your goals, your desires, what you want to change in your life. Write it down. Make it plain. Now when I say make it plain, this is what I see. Make it clear. Make it simple. Make it specific. Not some vague thing that you want to do. No, be detailed about it. Write it on tablets. Well, who has a tablet with them? This is It's a preacher joke, okay. Didn't go over too good. They didn't have an iPad or a Samsung tablet. All they had was a literal stone tablet in that day. So uh, write it down in a notebook or on your iPhone or your iPad that he may run who reads it or he may go accomplish the thing that he wrote down. Write the vision, make it plain, 
that you will run with the vision. But you got to write it down first. You got to be uh, detailed in the power of vision. Proverbs 29, verse 18, in the King James Version, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, where there is no vision, the person perishes. Where there is no vision, the family perishes. Where there is no vision, the church perishes. Where there is no vision, the company goes away. Isn't that right? Where there's no vision, the people perish. It's interesting, another translation said this, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. You know, there's a reason why people live the crazy lifestyles they live and justify it. No vision. If your life has no point and no purpose, no vision, why would I care? I don't care. I'm going to get smashed every weekend and just get drunk. And, you know, who cares if I drive when I'm drunk? Who cares if I sleep around? Who cares if I live a crazy lifestyle? Who cares? Why? When there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. Because there's no purpose. There's no point. There's no goal. There's no vision. There's nothing to keep you focused on what your life's about where there's no vision. So where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision. You guys hear what I'm saying today? But thanks to God, he has told us about the power of vision. I think this is interesting. I've talked to some of you guys about this before. I think it's funny because I know the business world figures this stuff out later, but the Bible had this figured out thousands of years ago. The power of I can. The Bible said that a long time ago. The power of vision. Franklin Covey did not write that. John Maxwell's leadership books did not write that. The Bible had that figured out, the power of vision, thousands of years ago. By a name of a guy named Habakkuk. Of all people to pin this. The power of your thinking, which we're going to talk about that in the future. Business world talks about that all the time. It's in the Bible. The Bible talked about it first. The power of your words. Successful business people talk about that all the time. Guess what? The principles work because God put them in place. And some of these things work for believers and unbelievers alike. Because we're made in his image and likeness. And they're just using what the word of God has to say. It's amazing. But the power of vision. The power of vision. So the power of vision is um, something that's so important. I want to give you a couple examples today. So what we hope for. What we hope for. What we hope for is this. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. What we hope for is your vision. Uh, I'm just saying it's different words, but it all means similar things. But certain words, you know, I really, certain words click with people better than others. Uh, What we hope for is this. Your vision, your goals, your desires, changes you want to see. Faith brings into reality your vision. So uh, you've heard dad use this example. What we hope for is the blueprint. But your faith is the builder. Bob's not the builder. Faith is the builder. But the builder cannot build the house or the structure without the blueprint. So you have to have your vision, your goals, your desires, what you want to change up here so the builder knows what to do. 
and what to build and what to paint and where to put things because what you hope for or your vision is the blueprint, but your faith is the builder that brings it into manifestation. Now, you with me? That's why you need both. And a lot of people, even believers, have a lot of faith, but they have no definite blueprint on what they want their life to be, so their faith has nothing to work with. The power of vision. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, my good friend, um, Bill Charles. Bill Charles, come up here. Thank you, sir. Let's give it up for Bill Charles real, real quick. So, I heard that he's an expert hunter. So, look, we got you a bow with a laser. Is everything cooler with lasers? Yes, it is. Here's your bows or your arrows. That's how much I know about hunting. Okay, so I asked him if we could bring a real one, to, real one to church, and he was like, oh, "I think it'd be a little bit dangerous." I'm like, "Let's do it." All right, I'm gonna go get a play one, just to make sure your shooting's okay. So, what we're we talking about faith and vision. So you got to have a blueprint if you want the faith to build it. We could say it like this: faith has to have a target. Now, what's the target? Once again, the target for you is your vision, your goals, your dreams, your desires, what you want to change. You have to have that before you. You have to have that written down because that's the target. How many know there's no target? You can't hit it. Now, Charles, I'm going to ask you to shoot those three arrows this direction. Let's see what he can do here. It's looking pretty good. Okay. Be careful. All right. So you're zero for one. Let's, let's try another one. Why? Because faith has to have a target. He's got faith. Okay. One more. You got this. Even though this is a toy, I can see the excellence that you're using with the bow right now. Okay. I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock you. He's guaranteed to not hit the target when there is no target. <laughs> Shocking. Now, that's why they pay me the big bucks around here to be a pre preacher, to figure this stuff out. If there's no target, there's no hitting the target. If there's no bullseye, your faith, which is the bow and arrow, has nothing to work with. Now, I'm going to put my life in your hands. You ready for this? Come on, let's give it up for Charles once again. Hopefully, he doesn't hurt his pastor. Charles? Okay. So, faith has to have a target. Your vision, your dreams, your goals, your desires... What do you want to change? Write it down. It has to have something. Why? Because until there's a target up, he's going to be shooting aimlessly. 
was to say, without a vision, people cast off restraint. You're doing a lot of stuff, but you're never accomplishing anything. You're doing a lot of stuff, but you're never getting ahead in life. You're doing a lot of stuff, but you're never fulfilling the plan of God for your life. Why? Because you've never put the target up. So you're guaranteed to not hit it when there is none. So your faith has to have a target. Charles? Right in my heart. See what you got. That's why I'm this close. So you got to. Sir? <laughs> okay, I'm still alive. Don't ruin my object lesson. Please hit the target. Let me get a little bit closer. Yes! All right, you can go sit down. Thank you, sir. So until your faith has a target, it has nothing to shoot at. Once again, you're guaranteed to hit nothing when there is no target. So faith and vision have to go together. The power of vision. What do you want to change? But lastly, I want to <coughs> say this. Faith and vision. We're still talking about the power of vision. Are you still here? It's like a GPS. God has given us everything we need to succeed in life. God has given us everything we need to see our vision, our goals, our desires to change. He's given us all the resources to make that happen. But vision is like our GPS. God has given us faith. He's given us his grace. He's given us his ability. We can do all things through Christ. But we have to have vision for those things to come to pass. Why? Because faith, once again, is the builder, but hope is the blueprint. Faith is the bow and arrow, but hope, vision, is the target. And we could say vision is like our GPS. God has given us a vehicle. God has given us the, the mind and the ability to drive it. He's given us a smartphone to have the GPS app on our smartphone and figure out direction. But we have to type in the destination or we will never get there. Once again, most people, and you know this to be true, most people live and die and they're like driving their car aimlessly around the earth and never accomplish anything. Most people are like the guy with the bow and arrow, no target. They're just shooting. And they live and die and you know they don't do anything that God had in their heart. They never accomplish any dreams, any vision, any goals, any plans. They just live. They just exist. And they are living so far beneath what God has provided for them to live. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of those people. I don't think you do either, but it won't happen unless we have the power of vision. We have a target. We have a GPS. We have a destination. We have the blueprint on where our faith in God's grace can take us. So we have to have the power of vision in our personal life, for our families, for our future, for whatever we're a part of. We have to have the power of vision. So God has given us everything, but we have to put in the destination. We can't get mad at the GPS or our car if we never typed in the destination. Now, how many are good with directions around here? Now, all you women, put your husband's hands down. <laughs> Okay, 
I'm really actually, for real, good at directions. I get the importation from my mom. Now, my mom has the old school map of the United States, which, which is like this thick in the car. And she's like, oh, I think it's around here somewhere. I'm like, mom, I could find it on my phone. No, we don't want to use your phone. Your phone's probably not working right. No joke, on our way to Destin, I like shaved off two and a half hours based off my GPS because her uh, map was so old, they didn't even have the new roads to get to Destin, Florida. I'm like, yeah, I just saved this two and a half hours based off my phone. She's like, no, that road doesn't exist. You want to bet? It's right here, Mom. So I like Google Maps. I like Google Maps. I use that a lot when I need to find a place. Let's just say Brother Sean, he missed me, and uh, he wanted to see me. And he was in California. He couldn't just type in Midwest and find me on his phone. He couldn't type in Indiana and find me. Why? Because the GPS will take you to the destination you type in. And most of us don't have any vision or GPS to tell our lives where to go. And we wonder why we ended up where we are, because we didn't give it any instructions. <coughs> Excuse me. So, can I have a drink of water, please? <coughs> so, Brother Sean, he misses me. Right? So, <coughs> once again, he's in California. That's a long drive. At least four days. And if he's going to find me, once again, he can't just type in Indiana, can't type in Midwest, can't type in Southern Indiana. He's still not going to find me. Can't even type in New Albany or Charlestown. Notice he has to be specific. He has to be detailed if he wants to find me. If he wants to end up at the right destination, he has to type in the right thing. Vision. But notice, he can type in other things and he'll get close, but he won't get where he wants to go. So that's why we need to be detailed and specific even on the vision that we want for our lives. If Brother Sean wants to find me at Church on the Rock, he's going to have to type in 4224 Mel Smith Road, New Albany, Indiana, 47150. But unless he types that in, he can't get mad at his GPS for taking him to the wrong place. Are you here today? And I'm just trying to help us today because a lot of us are frustrated, but you got to be honest with yourself. You're not being specific on your GPS on where you really want to go. You're not typing in the destination. You're not typing in because God's given you the GPS, the car, and everything else to make, you, make it happen in your life. He's given you faith. He's given you his grace. He's given you his ability to do it. But we have to set that for our own lives. God won't do it. God won't set it for us. He's given us all the tools, all the things we need to be able to do it. But he says, where do you want to end up? What's the destination you want to go to? Can some of you think in the long term, what do you want to be when you're older? What do you want to have when you're older? What do you want to accomplish by the time you go on to be with the Lord? That's the destination you're going to. And if you don't type it in, you're not getting there. And that's what the power of vision does. Gives your faith something to work with so God can move in your life. 